I don't necessarily think I was raised right. I could have told you that. <laughs> I mean, I I mean, I've learned that in therapy. Absolutely. Yeah. I've been like kind of almost feral. I didn't grow up in a household where I was taught a lot of empathy or where race was discussed at all. I think my parents would absolutely consider themselves to be not racist. Right. But I think that they also would absolutely scoff at the notion of white privilege. One of the worst things is a blue collar mentality with a white collar checkbook. Yeah. They did grow up in homes with abusive fathers who were NYPD cops. They think that they've had it hard because they had nowhere to turn and they had to sort of do it on their own and they didn't have anyone to pay for their education. And when they hear someone say the word privilege, they can't even think about it as a concept beyond like what it tradition what privilege traditionally or very literally means as far as class goes right so that's just like background on my ignorance yeah and like why why i've been stupid or i was stupid so you're saying you're not stupid at the moment i'm saying that i've been stupid and i'm less stupid now okay but still probably still a little bit some stupid stupid. maybe right (laughs) yeah <laughs> I, I'm probably so stupid I don't know what I'm stupid about. Probably. I've been yeah. I've been wrong about a lot of things in my life. I know. Me too. I will say that when I was in my 20s and I had a platform, I was a f- fucking idiot. Like I really was. Yeah. Like the part of me like that was like authentic and made me successful was like that same like lack of filter and lack of thinking that also is has been bad for me and other people yeah being like somebody who just kind of like says stuff off the top and like sometimes it's it, it could be cogent and insightful and a lot of times it's not and it's just like my me like just like talking I definitely one thing I've learned is that I talk too much and I've stopped talking as much well but now you have a po- that this year you started a podcast though so i did i did i did <laughs> but i mean <laughs> in some ways you're talking more than ever i know but it's only once a week That's i true. used to be like post on jezebel like 12 times a day or something I, in order to just... make in order to make sixty thousand dollars a year at jezebel when i first started you got paid per post. So yes. I needed to do 12 posts per day in order to make $60,000 a year, which is wild. I was it's, totally uh, burning the candle at both ends. That's why like half the stuff that I said was like so stupid because I was I- just like, blah, blah. just the idea that you should have that much to say about an obvious range of topics. You wouldn't be like, you know, writing about the same thing every day is just so much to ask of a human. It's, it's too much. People should not yeah. be. People are specialized. That's how. That's how it's happened. We have these jobs as bloggers that made you be a fucking jack of all trades, and that's a really hard thing to pull off and be right about. And having all to the bring time. your A game every time. Having to bring your A game every day. Every and day. That's impossible. Because what you do is posted publicly and up for public discussion, and you know, you know, it, it's preserved as well. So mm-hmm. bring your A game for the moment, whatever. Now your entire history is basically Googleable. It fucking sucks. It's, you know, it's just 
not an ideal thing as much as many for as many perks as there are, which there obviously are. It is still a privileged yeah. sort of existence to be able to do that. But it's also oh, like absolutely. a really bad idea. So don't do that. I think that there's always been a part of me that like knows that I'm an idiot that's just saying idiot stuff. Right. And so part of that is just like kind of shocked when people place weight on my words right. or at least in the past it was yeah. like that i can, um, I can relate I was like, to wait, that why why are you listening to me totally so there's a lot of things that like especially like in the beginning of jezebel the first few years of jezebel that i'm like mortified were published yeah. um absolutely embarrassed about the things that i've said in my behavior and i've never really addressed any of those things just because um, I don't, I don't want to remember them Yeah. and I just want to like keep it moving and the, or, like, because I can't unsay things that I've said and the only thing I could do is make content that totally buries and is better than, and is more knowledgeable than, and, uh, more useful than the shit that I used to say and do. So H hence a podcast where you get snowed and talk shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm still making the wrong choices, but I'm doing it for the right reasons. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, so speaking of wrong choice, there is this photo, I guess, that's floating around the internet of me in a confederate flag bikini when's it from 2008 i just like posted this photo very freely with no hesitation no second thoughts like on my facebook page while i was working at jezebel um so a little bit of backstory i had gone on a vacation to tennessee with my then boyfriend who I later married, we went on a road trip to go to Dollywood and Graceland. And when we got to Dollywood, we had a hot tub at our cabin. And I was like, oh, I need to go get a bikini. And we went to this like trashy store, like, I don't know, on some strip in Pigeon Forge. And they had these Confederate flag bikinis. And there were like all these pictures of like girls with big boobs, like hanging out of the bottom of the Confederate flag bikinis. And it seemed like kind of like, kitschy and I was like oh my god I'm gonna get this and so I got that and not even honestly like having no real knowledge or understanding of like the true meaning of what that flag is like I said before I wasn't raised right and I also grew up watching Dukes of Hazard. I had a toy car that had that painted on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, their car had that painted on it. It was normalized yeah. in that way. It absolutely normalized. The prevalence of the Confederate flag just makes it seem like, or at the time made it seem like, oh, this is normal. I, I really thought that because it was such a normal thing that there wasn't a problem with it and that... um you know, it was just about Southern culture, yeah. quote unquote. And so I was like, oh, it's like a when in Rome thing for me. Got in the hot tub. I wore it once because we only went in the hot tub that one night. And then I never wore it again. And I took a photo and I posted it. And at the time, Gawker Media employees had to have Facebook pages that were their bylines were linked to their Facebook pages. Like Nick Denton was like really super into like Facebook. Yeah, and he like was. Utilizing Facebook. He really was. And like, 
He was insistent. Forcing us to use it. But he was, uh, yeah. before I worked for him, he was insistent that I join so he could send me invitations to his party. And I was like, why don't you just text me? <laughs> like, you're te- you're texting me to tell me to join. He had some, I don't know. I don't know what it was, but he was unnaturally attached to Facebook. So anyway, there. so I had like maybe like 2,000 followers on or friends on Facebook. Posted this photo. Uh... I don't think anyone even like blinked an eye. Like no one even like le- like left a bad comment. And I never thought about it again. I saw the bikini in my drawer in 2014, early 2015 when I was moving. I saw it and I was like, oh, this thing. And I was like, that's embarrassing. And I threw it out. I had no recollection that I had taken a photo and posted it on the and put it online. But I had I had become aware and I had educated myself into knowing like exactly what the flag stands for. And it's not even just that it's associated with slavery and the resurfacing of it um, is like modern display was came about in like the early 1950s and and the 1960s because it was completely associated with um, being anti-civil rights. Like it was, as civil rights was rising, it was like segregationists all of a sudden were taking this flag and making it their thing, like Strom Thurmond and stuff like, and he, I mean, Strom Thurmond, he was a senator of North Carolina for what, his entire, until he died, right? He was a senator? Like horribly racist. Yeah. Yeah, horribly racist, believed in segregation, And then when he died, it turned out that he had a half black daughter. He had impregnated his parents maid who was 16 at the time. He, he, so he was just a piece of shit person. Some point between maybe like 2009 to 2011 was when I had, you know, I would say my awakening or when I started to become more woke or I I honestly, your awakening, my awakening, my awakening happened, I think, because what, galvanized things for me was when obama was in office all of like like the real like real racists were like jumping out and it was becoming like much more obvious to me like that you know because people were just like up in arms that there was a black man that was president and some of those people were people that were in my immediate social circle um which i'll get to in a second yeah (laughs) but i wanted to talk about this bikini yeah, so I had this picture of me in a bikini, uh, in a Confederate flag bikini, and never I was I was so ignorant about it that I posted it to Facebook. I was so ignorant about it, and and my white privilege was that I never even thought twice about it and forgot that it even existed, right. that it was even sitting on the internet. Right. I I it just never ever crossed my mind until 2015. Somebody pointed it out to me the yeah. day that broadly launched somebody contacted me and said hey just so you know people have seen this right and I was like oh my god and I just remember like my stomach dropping and feeling like I was gonna throw up I was so fucking embarrassed I immediately deleted the photo and I never addressed it I, you know I had apologized to the person that showed it to me or that pointed it out. Well, and also it's a dicey sort of proposition because you don't want to show people it and traumatize them and you don't want to show it in service of your own ego so that you can then take that thing that you did bad and look good, you know? 
Yeah. Uh, addressing it at all is a really tough thing. But, you know, and this is not an at all an excuse. But I think I don't remember being aware of you posting that. And I wasn't on Facebook at the time. So I really could have just missed it, I think. But certainly what I would have chalked it up to is what you said, a sort of kitsch. You know, I grew up in South Jersey, which was above the Mason-Dixon line only because the Mason-Dixon line, once it gets to Jersey, went down around Jersey. If Mm -hmm. the Mason-Dixon line extended from Pennsylvania to New Jersey through to the Atlantic Ocean in a straight line, Ocean City would have been under it. And I think that there were people that were pissed off that it didn't happen that way because the 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 immediate town that i lived in was coastal and it was integrated you know uh, black people were a minority but it uh, a visible minority but once you went offshore it was just white i mean you go you go to a pep boys in south jersey and it's the deep south you know uh the clan was active 10 miles from me and so in high school, all the kids from Upper Township, which is just over the bridge from Ocean City, came to Ocean City High School with their Confederate flags all over their cars. And I remember in social studies in, in 10th or 11th grade being like, what the fuck about that? And and this girl that was also from Upper, and I was like, "That's that to me just seems like racism. It's just an allegiance with slavery. And this girl was like, no... It's about the culture. It's about Southern pride. You know, it's not that. And I was like, eh, I don't get it. But I could certainly see how a white person living in New Jersey, seeing this as a cultural backdrop, would understand it as no big deal because it was so present. It was just part mm-hmm. of the language of, you know, it was just part of the language. So. Like I said, not an excuse. Um, but no, I th- it's but not I, an excuse. There's no but excuse I do, for like my own ignorance. There isn't, but there isn't. There isn't. There isn't. But but and and ironic racism is racism, absolutely. But I do think if we're being as nuanced as possible, there is a difference between wearing that flag because you believe in what that flag believes in. And wearing that flag as a cultural signifier, as a reference to people who would wear that flag because they're trashy like that. But it's still bad. It's, it's still, still bad. bad. It's still bad. It's still bad. But it doesn't. It's not. But it's not indicative of your uh, of the of you ever being invested in the subjugation of black people, which I've never heard you express or do. I wouldn't be friends with you. And as a white person. Uh, one thing you learn as a white person is that white people love to bond or, over racism. They feel awfully comfortable saying things. I mean, I've felt, I've, I mean, within the first five minutes, me, that they would never say ever in front of a black person. I, I went to. I remember in 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 the in the aughts, I went over to my friend's place. My friend was like, "Oh, I'm hanging out with my friend. Well, let's go to a bar. We'll we'll pregame at my friend's apartment." And I went, it was like on St. Mark's, you know, this is New York in the 2000s. And he said the N word within five minutes. And it was just like, thank you for showing yourself to me, really. Uh, You basically did me a favor by letting me know that you're somebody that I never want to get to know. You know? Yeah. 
so in 2015, when this bikini picture like resurfaced, I deleted it. I was mortified. I made it a point in my career to not explain away what I've done because I think that that would be a waste of everybody's time and I don't want to be like exonerated. The only thing I can do is try to educate myself and my daughter about white privilege and intent versus impact, which is a really big thing. Like, yeah, what you were saying before, I, I, I definitely never intended to align myself with Strom Thurmond or Dixiecrats or, you know, segregation or uh, slavery. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there's no getting out of the fact that I did. Right. Just by wearing it. Yeah. And it was so fucking dumb. Well, it's it was dumb and then it was dumb not to even know how it could be perceived. Exactly. Uh, and so I but I didn't want to address it at the time because I didn't want anyone to know right. that I was that stupid at one point. Yeah. I didn't want anyone to interfere with your privilege. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. You know, I do think that it's good that you're reckoning with it now, but that is a pragmatic way of thinking. Keep it moving. That's how life works. You know, unfortunately, again, the human vessel, we only have this one understanding of time where the past is the past and the present is the present. So eh, it's not unreasonable to say, I'm just going to make, I can't do anything about back then. I'm just going to make right now count. Ironically, you're, uh, you know, I mean, time will tell, but uh, one could make the argument that you're doing that now by going back to the past. So, well, you know, here's the thing is that like part of this like larger reconciliation about the systemic racism and police brutality and just the way that the system is fucking rigged against black people because it was never developed in their interests. There's a lot of white people that are being called out, and I've, I've done some of the calling out myself. Yeah, and it's been, like, useful. You know, I mean, those girls from Vanderpump Rules got fired today. They did. Fuck them. Good. Bye. And who needs them? Kristen, I think that she's the kind of person that would be able to learn from this and actually see, like, oh, that's why it was fucked up for me to call the police on this black woman. I don't think that that woman Stasi is going to have that kind of moment. Oh, That's the other thing too is that when shit like this happens, yeah. There are people who can learn from it and then there are people who become radicalized from it. Because they're so selfish so, that they're like whatever is trying to make me not me is bad, so I'm going to lean so far into this because it's I mean it's soothing in a way, right? That's why you do well, it. Because I think because also they feel like, oh, everyone's mad at me over there. I'm going to go over here where the people aren't mad at yeah, me. Yeah, to suit themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's refuge. So, it, so, which actually like leads me to Gavin McInnes, who, you know, was once a very close friend of mine. And, you know, he I never on. liked him. I know you never did. I you never, never did. did. I thought he was inappropriate. But, you know, I mean, like I had... You know, he said faggot in front of me multiple times, and I never took it up with him. Uh, and I don't feel like I'm a traitor to my people for, for not doing so. But again, with the pragmatism, I just didn't. I knew the thing about Gavin is he's so much smarter than his 
image. You know what I mean? So like to me, it was just I could read him for what he was. I could read the situation for what it was and not even be mad about it and not waste my time complicating my life by getting into some kind of altercation with him. Well, it's a little bit like a toddler, like where he misbehaves or he acts out like that because he wants to get into a debate with you because for him, I think I honestly feel like his love language is debating. Yeah. Like serious issues. And he wanted to like bait you into getting into an argument with him. Yeah. And but I just never um, liked him enough to give him the time really. Well, that's the thing is that like if I don't know if I ever heard him say faggot. I mean, was I there when he said it or no. was he saying it like the the one the the time that I remember is when we did where was it that we did, that we showed the pot psychology video and Cyrus Silverman was there and we were talking uh, to her. It was on it was Bedford. That, on Bedford, I don't know what that place was called. The Brooklyn, right? Like- the Brooklyn. And we were outside smoking, but I don't think you were there or like you weren't paying attention or something. I'm I'm almost positive you weren't there. I don't remember who I was standing with, but he said it then and he like made a big show of it. And I was just like, I'm not going to engage, you know? Um, unfortunately, sometimes my default is like, I'm not going to complicate my life and maybe in certain moments I should have complicated my life for the sake of the greater good. But I don't know. You kind of got to feel it out as you go. For me, it was like not confronting him about certain things was that I always felt like he was just saying things because he knew I worked at Jezebel and yeah. he considered me to be this like kind of social justice warrior in right. a way. Right. And which is what people used to say before they would say woke. Right. And so he would say things to try to like goad me into an argument or whatever or to try to like upset me and I always felt like I was winning if I just didn't even if I just completely ignored it and didn't pay him any mind and just you know uh didn't address it because it was almost like when a toddler is acting out and you don't want to like feed into it and give them the attention because then they will always keep doing that they'll always act out in that way because they're realizing oh I'm getting attention this way which is ultimately what ended up happening with his entire career he did that with his career yeah I've never like publicly discussed any of this because I still felt like I owed something to his wife to lay off you know and to just like not drag him. Last year, I started working on a project about this very thing and about being absolutely horrified watching what he's become in the years since. Um, I stopped speaking to him. I had a huge falling out with him in, I believe it was 2012. Uh, it was when Obama was reelected. So, you know, I've been working on this project. Uh, it's a podcast um a serialized story about my relationship with gavin and a lot of other people's relationship with gavin he had a lot of relationships with a lot of like people that are you know uh well known really well known really famous justin thoreau will ferrell uh david cross david cross amber tamblin uh derek beckles uh, some guy from lee savvy fab that was always around gavin had sort of created this orbit of um, comedians and writers, journalists, performers, musicians, these like really progressive people, you know, Samantha B and her husband at the barbecues is their house upstate. And 
it was very cool to be in his orbit. And the fact that he really liked me and liked how I wrote, like, just like as a person, like just like seeking validation. And then this guy who like founded Vice Magazine was like, was really into my writing was just such like a, like, it just made me feel so good. So I'd be around all these progressive people and stuff. And it's just like, you know, we all kind of thought that Gavin was just doing this like persona thing at first because he needed a way to make money um, because he had been ousted from Vice. But I uh, but I thought that that was true as well, because like I said, like I always thought that he was smarter than his rhetoric. The last time I had any interaction with him was after the poll shooting and I had written something about... All of oh the, really? Yeah, all of the bullshit responses like it just pissed me off. And I, I, you know, I dragged everybody. I dragged Melissa Harris Perry in that post. Remember, Diplo said he was queer that week. Everybody was being no, so. I don't remember stu- that. It was Diplo the most. Said he was infuri- queer. Yes, Are you kidding me. He said he like, he what? said something like. I'm not entirely straight or something. I know it never okay. has revisited since then. What does then. that mean? Exactly. A whole is a whole? Exactly. <laughs> and so, um, but you know, Ga- what Gavin Gavin seized on it with Milo Yiannopoulos, and they went down to Pulse and spoke in front of it about the oh, threat. I didn't know about any of this? The threat of radical Islam on the gay community in America, and it was just like this is like your this is such bullshit. The problem is not. The, the threat is not coming from Islam. It's coming from the conservatives in America that you're aligning yourself with and you're just doing this. You're just putting yourself in front of there. And so I wrote, I just mentioned, I mean, I think it was like one or two sentences where I, t- I didn't even like harp on it. There are people that I thought had handled it much, much worse. And he started to fight with me on Twitter about this. And And he was still allowed on there. He said that he had he went down there to to fight for my rights to be a fag. And it was like, (laughs) I've been a fag all my life with or without you. What the fuck do you. But but to me, that it was just so stupid that I was like, I know you don't believe this. I, I know you couldn't possibly believe this. So I to me, the entire arc of his life. And I know that you have different insight and and believe something different but to me it just exposed the entire charade and chicanery of conservative talking heads who just say what they say because that's what keeps them paid and they don't believe it it's neither here nor there i mean i I wonder what the ratio of things ann coulter has said that she believes to what she doesn't believe and i believe she only dates liberals she only dates liberals. I, I, I'm I'm fully convinced that she mostly her public persona is a facade and yeah. synthetic in order for her to make money. I, I mean, I, I absolutely believe that. And I think that that's gross. And it's not and doesn't absolve them from the things that they say just because they don't believe it. They're still fucking saying it. I agree. But my thing with Gavin is that I think that he kind of took on a sort of method actor approach to it. Right. Where, where he now had it's to just a part it. of him. Yeah. Yeah, now it's a part of him the same way that Al Pacino kept talking like Dr. Kevorkian after he <laughs> did that HBO movie. Like his accent was really weird after that. Like he just never kind of like went back to being regular Al Pacino after right, that. Right, right. When I severed my relationship with him and it was a big fucking blowout, like a huge 
fight. We were just screaming at each other and it was it was over his use of the N-word. And he told me that I was the word police and I'm the kind of person that's taken food out of his kids' mouths and because I'm trying to say like what he can and can't say and I'm going to try to like get him and there was no like when language. When kids like, ever canceled. been hungry though? I mean, what is no, he talking never. about? Food out of kids' mouth. Maybe like you're making his mansion slightly, you know, with slightly fewer rooms, but yeah, you know, like that doesn't even his make waterfront sense. Waterfront penthouse. That's so disingenuous. Um, so anyway, I had been working on this project, but I wanted to create this roadmap of, you know, how this man took on a radical political ideology and identity and how wh- how do you confront that as your friend or being friends with somebody. For me, it was like to cut him off, to get in a huge argument with him, to tell him to go fuck himself and to, you know, just write him off. And then that wasn't very fashionable at the time. No one else ended up, I didn't talk to Amber Tamblin for three years at least. And then when I approached her to do like a digital short for Broadly, when her poetry book was coming out, she confessed to me, she confided that she felt weird and felt like she's being disloyal to Gavin. And well, it was, you know, I'm not going to say I told you so, but I told you so. And I, you know, to me, what was very instructive was uh, when he, because he was a guest on Pot Psychology, I think two episodes. Yes. I think we filmed enough yeah. to make two episodes. He was on. He was on several Jezebel. We did a lot. Right. Of, we did a makeup tutorial. We right, did a right. running but in high heels heel video. Heels. Yes, yes. Um, but to me, I, because I was obviously involved in Pot Psychology, I was aware of the commenters and what they had to say about him and his reaction to that. And I, you know, at the time in his Twitter bio, it said, ain't no nice guy. You know, this was his persona. And he was so upset that people didn't like him in these videos. And it was just like, what are you doing, man? Like you're, you're, I thought your whole persona was an asshole. So to me, it was like a shitty job. It was a shoddy sort of persona he was he was building because he was so insensitive, outward facing, and the inward was so sensitive. And it was just like, you had this all wrong. So it was a fucking house of cards, and it fell. I can't say I'm surprised. Uh, I don't hold it against you, but you might want to listen to me from time to time because I seem to have it right sometimes <laughs> this <laughs> well, is i always end up getting there eventually uh yeah you know yeah um and, uh, i don't know i mean uh it was complicated this was all complicated by the fact that he introduced me to my husband yes who was his best friend at that's the true time. that's true he did not inter- inter- he did not introduce me to my husband so i can't yeah, say that. so and then Gavin fucking married us. He, perf- he officiated my wedding ceremony. He did. Which is like so embarrassing. Yeah. I I just didn't see those aspects of him until Obama was president. And then I started seeing little bits and pieces here and there that was make me, making me more and more uncomfortable as time went on. But what I can say is that like at the time when I posted that Confederate flag bikini photo was a time when Gavin was really in my life a lot. Yeah. He had just introduced me to this guy that I was going on this trip with who eventually became my fiance and became my husband. Um, and I think maybe around that time, Gavin and I were sort of, 
I mean, I didn't really know a lot about his politics, but I what I can say is that we both were ignorant white people and we both went in completely opposite directions. Right. I haven't spoken to him in eight years since our huge fight. And so anyway, when all of this stuff started happening in the last week and there were all these like suddenly like there were a lot of reckonings of like white people and their behavior in the past. And so I and then so I wanted to talk about it. But at the same time, I don't want to right now take up space. I mean, this is our podcast. And so this is where a place where you go because you're expecting to hear me talk about something. Right. I don't want to take up space in another medium or another platform where I'm taking away from a person of color talking about their experience. Yeah. Yeah. But we're all sharing this earth and we're all talking. And I know, I, but I, I don't want to. It's it it's it's hard. Like, I don't know, I know what the right thing to do is just, if, you if know, you what knew, you know what, what you, I was agonizing about was this these fucking black squares. I was I like, oh, I'm going to post this black square. Right. And then I posted it with the wrong hashtag. And I was like, fuck. Yes. So I had to delete it. And then I reposted so, it. And then later in the day, like two, like four hours later, I was like, oh, no, people said that the black squares aren't right. And I was yeah. like, shit. And so I deleted <laughs> it again. It's but, like, tr- but look, I just want to do. A, I just want to help. Know, you know what I mean? Here's a short cut for you just say you're sorry just say you're sorry i am so sorry i really am truly like from the bottom of my heart it was i I i'm so sorry for being stupid and the only thing that i can do to make it better is to be less stupid you have to do it as your own and as a as a grown-up if you weren't given those tools when you were younger. And so that's my responsibility. And I take that really seriously. But yeah, so I, I wanted to I wanted to apologize and I wanted to talk about it. I've never ever seen a social media apology that was um enough or that sufficed or that did what it set out to do. It always seems shallow or hollow yeah or and trying to preserve that person's position you know it's a desperate measure it's hard it's hard to do this kind of thing and not be self-serving yeah because no matter what it is ultimately it is self-serving yeah it's capitalism for you it is not to be that guy to say that but it literally is that's really how capitalism works especially if you're like making money from your persona or brand it is i would like to be a part of the solution in recognizing my own stupidity and ignorance and privilege and to reconcile that yeah you know i think that that part of this is a public reconciliation and and i want to be a part of that well you know i would obviously tell you if i thought you were doing a bad job uh and I don't. I think that this okay. has been honest and open, and I appreciate your candor. I always appreciate candor. And I mean, I you know, I don't want to like, I don't want to burden everything with my own feelings, but I certainly, there are things you said that I related to. I have regretted, in retrospect, things I wrote because I think my, you know, feel free to disagree with anybody, but I feel like my biggest shortcoming, shortcoming, shortcoming of all of this is within this sort of issue and talking about race is just feeling too comfortable. I think there are times that I could have been a lot more sensitive and should have been more sensitive and thought that 
the better thing to do would be to express myself in such a way that was the honest truth at that moment that didn't really take into consideration how other people might react to that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I have my regrets too. I don't think in this episode, I need to do a litany of them, but um, I have fucked up for sure. Uh, and, you know, I would never want to be misunderstood as anything, but, you know, you feel like you sound like an asshole when you call yourself an ally, but I'm an ally. I also have a thing where I'm chronically opposed to making myself easy to like, you know what I mean? I'd much rather make you hate me than like me, you know, I just, (laughs) I, I just, I feel like I'm doing a disservice if I paint myself in a good light. So I would rather make the difficult argument than make the obvious. I know the obvious argument. Every, always, every, every single topic, I know the obvious thing to say, would rather not. No, I think this has been good. And I'm proud of you. I am. And I'm not. (laughs) Well, uh, you know, I, well, I'm, I'm not proud of you for wearing a Confederate flag bikini, but it's also not grounds for not being friends with you, obviously. Really, this issue came up this week. There was some rumbling, uh, and not to be all like, whatever, we had good intentions before that, but we did. And we had already talked about this, and it's on our Patreon. You can go check it. Um, but I just think it's important to uh, sort of underscore this episode with the fact that we are putting our money where our mouth is, and we're donating a lot of the money we made from Patreon last month um, to various causes. What we had announced initially was that we'd give you know, we would match any donations to the Trans Women of Color Collective or to that Act Blue page that is set up in the memory of George Floyd and, you know, donates to a bunch of different bail funds and other funds. But I think we can make it very easy moving forward, actually. Look, send us your receipts, donate to Trans Women of Color Collective or Black Lives Matter, and we'll match your donation up, we have a cap of $1,000 that we're going to put out of our pockets, $1,000. So uh, that's $2,000 from our listeners. If you guys donate 1000 and we'll donate 1000 and match your donations, the $1,000 is going to still be donated regardless. Uh, but you should donate it, and then we can match it, and then we can make $2,000. But regardless, it's going to be $1,000 from us. And and whoever has the, sends us the biggest donation amount gets a lifetime... Um, subscription to our bonus episodes our bonus content and i mean what more could you want than more of this (laughs) i I mean come on i know that it doesn't fix stuff but i feel like it's a start and it's what i know how to do you know keep the money flowing i mean i i feel like the least i can do as a white person is let some of my money flow toward black people and black causes that feels like the right thing to do at the moment. I'm completely aligned with that idea. So that's what I'm doing. And honestly, I can say that I've learned a lot just in this last week. I've become r- radicalized in this last week beyond what I thought I could become. Like, I don't believe in the police anymore. Yeah. Not that I ever really loved the police, but I'm like fully like, yeah, fucking get rid of the cops. We went to a march this weekend rich and i together yeah yeah we when i say we i mean the two of us and my daughter yes 
So the three of us. And I, I think an image I'll never get out of my head is there's this black woman on the side, you know, like cheering people on. Like so touched and moved saying thank you like over and over again you know and you could just feel her experience like it was just this moment like it was just transmitted like how much this meant to her what she had seen and what's and what like she was seeing you know at that moment and the contrast and I don't think I'll ever get it out of my head you know and it was just like the most beautiful thing it was just incredible it made me so proud to be there um I guess that's a call to action like go you know and have those moments because they're just so worth it it was soul nourishing you know it just made me so happy to be able to like show up just for her so i don't know i don't know Listen, I've done so many fucking marches. Yeah. And I've been to so many protests just since Trump was elected. I've been to, you know, different women's marches. I've been to anti-gun protests. I've been to a protest when he finally came back to New York for a weekend. I went to protests in the snow, you know, when he signed that order about like the the travel ban. I felt like I was I was a part of something sure and that I was definitely like I was showing up and blah blah blah. I never felt the kind of hope and a feeling that we're on the precipice of immense cultural change as I did I have felt in this past week. It's 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 an incredible moment and if you don't go you're missing out. You're like you're depriving yourself of a formative experience no matter how old you are, you know? So Yeah. I encourage people to show up. It was really moving. We're not necessarily like very earnest on this show typically and i think that we try to like avoid that kind of thing i think in this instance it's okay to be a little bit corny fuck it i don't care if this comes off as performative i knew in the back of my mind that this confederate flag bikini picture was out there in the universe and i don't think it makes me a hypocrite to post that black lives matter and to go to marches and to also have this messy past, I think we would be hard-pressed to find perfect allies. In in Marissa Meltzer's book, This Is Big, which is about Jean Neidich and Weight Watchers, and it's not at all about race, um, she said something in the book that stuck with me so much that I think could be applied to so many different aspects of life, but particularly about race, is that, you know, We are all in a one-room schoolhouse, but we're all on different levels, and we just have to continue to keep learning.
so many things that's held us down But now it looks like things are finally coming around I know we've got a long, long way to go And where we'll end up, I don't know But we won't let nothing hold us back We're putting our shirts together We're polishing up our act And if you fail 